Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Can we welcome one more time everybody that's watching online? Come on, a big, big hello. Come on, make some noise for everybody online, all of our Facebook and YouTube family and friends. We love that you are watching online. If you're in South Florida, make it out to services 9-11 and 1. If you're watching somewhere else around the world, let us know where you're watching from. Uh, we love you, and we're glad that you're watching. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. Let's recap a little bit the last couple of weeks that we've been on. Um, Four weeks ago, we started this series uh, with the first why. Uh, We wanted to address four really fundamental, uh, basic things that we think every believer should know, whether you're here or online. We're living in a world that's challenging our faith, I think, uh, really highly right now. It's challenging what we believe in. And so we think that we don't have a blind faith, we have a real faith. Right? Anybody know we just don't have a blind faith? We just, just jump into this. We believe we have a faith that is real, uh, a Jesus that is real. Come on, a gospel that is real is what we follow, is what we believe. So we said, let's teach our church what we believe. Number one, week one was why Jesus? Somebody say, why Jesus? Why do we believe in Jesus? Is it just because our grandma told us, our mom, our dad, some of us just like kind of just bumped into church. We're like, oh, we're here. We don't really know why Jesus. We talked about that on Easter Sunday and it was absolutely amazing. Week two, we talked about why pain. A lot of people don't follow God, have a relationship with God, can't get into a journey with God because of all the pain and the suffering that happens in the world. Anybody been through some pain and suffering? Some of us are probably walking through it today. I get it. And that makes us question God. So we talked about pain. We said, God is not the creator of pain, but he certainly can use our pain. Last week, Pastor Phil preached an incredible message around why the Bible. Why do we believe the Bible? Why do we read the Bible? Do you know the Bible's true, right? Do you know why? If somebody were to ask you, hey, but wasn't it written by man? Last week, I think we were taught an incredible message around the Bible. Today, we're talking about why church? Why church? Why are we here on a Sunday? Why do we gather? Why are there people logged in right now cooking breakfast, chicken and waffles, and still logged on, right? Why, why do we attend church? Why are we here? Is it just because we like to gather? What is this? Let's talk about this for the next few moments. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them you look fantastic this morning. Come on, if you're watching online, tell somebody in your household. Look at the other person on the other side and tell them you look better than the first person I turned to. And I'm glad you're next to me as well. I got my friend Greg in the building. Greg, it's good to see you in here. Known him for a very, very long time. And I'm glad that you are here. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Just to let you know, Jesus is having a conversation with his friends, with his disciples. um, And he's about to ask them some important questions. And I think this is one of the most powerful questions. pieces of scripture we have. I think you should underline it, uh, make a note of it, because what is about to be said here, we need to know it. Matthew chapter 16, in verse 13, it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, anybody love that verse right there? Out of those few verses today, Matthew chapter 16, what Peter says and then what Jesus follows it up with, he's talking about the church that he will build. We're part of the church. And so out of those few verses, today we're answering the fourth and final question of this series. Why church? Why are we here? Why do we do this? Why do we belong to this? So I want to I share a message that I've titled, I belong to a family. 
I belong to a family. Look at the person next to you and tell them, I belong to a family. Maybe a crazy one. Come on, maybe a loud one, but I belong to a family. Let's pray. We'll talk about it for a few moments, and then we'll worship God together at the end, and then go have some awesome brunch. Can I get an amen? I said chicken and waffles, and I heard a lot of amen. So there's hungry people in the building. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather physically and online across the globe with so many people that are part of this household of faith. God, we thank you for all that you've done, all you're doing, and all that you will do. Thank you for the church. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the global church, for all you're doing, especially on a day like today. We thank you. And we love you. It is in Jesus' name. All of God's people say. Come on, all of God's people say. Can you make some noise for Jesus this Sunday morning? Come on. Got a question this morning. Do you like your family? You like your family? Some of us got a, a big family. Some of us have a smaller family. I wonder if you like your family. How many know families are full of people and people can be challenging? Uh, I married Diana. It's going to be 12 years this November. Come on. We're excited. And um, hopefully we'll have some babies this year in Jesus' name and multiply the family. Thank you. Pray for us. Um, But when I married her, I married into her family and she married into my family. And family now makes us one big family. Marriage made us one big family, and she accepts my family. Um, I accept her family. And now in spite of differences, in spite of different backgrounds, maybe different cultures, we are all now one big family. A family unit is together because of a legal bond or a genetic bond. And every once in a while, we'll gather together for either a marriage ceremony happening in the family or perhaps there's a family reunion. Ever been to a family reunion? How many do not like your family reunions? Some of you like, I can't raise my hand because they're next to me today. <laughs> right? We gather for birthdays. Yesterday, we gathered with some of her family for an anniversary. Her uncle and her aunt, 50 years of marriage yesterday. Absolutely beautiful. Right? And so we hang out with family and we're gathered together because we're a family. This is what family do. We gather together. Now, the church, the Greek word for church that is used in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. Somebody say ecclesia. Oh, come on. Can you say a little bit better? Ecclesia. That's a Greek word. Now, what that means is a group of citizens who are called out of their homes into a public space for a specific purpose. That's the church family. We are called out to an assembly, a gathering for a specific purpose. Here's the challenge with the church family is that it's also made up of humans. And that means that humans have conflict because humans are imperfect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Some of you gave a stronger amen there. Like, yeah, it's full of a lot of conflict. The church is made up of people and all of us have challenges. All of us are flawed. All of us are imperfect. And the dilemma that happens is that we allow the problems in the church to direct our participation in the church. We allow the problems to direct our participation. Well, I love God. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church because there's some messed up people in it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on. Some of us know some messed up people in church. (laughs) Some people, some of us have gone through churches that have done us wrong. Some pastors and leaders, right? I don't like the person that was holding the door this morning. They didn't even smile at me. Who do you have out there in parking? They, they, they sent me to the furthest parking lot possible in this five-acre field, right? Like, I get it, right? We, it's made up of imperfect people. And we allow those imperfections to keep us independent. Well, because the church is full of problems, I ain't going to church no more. I'll just have my relationship at God with, at home. You ever heard that? I love God. I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity. But I don't like the church. So I'll just do church by myself at home. Well, you can't because church is an assembly, a gathering of family. So you can't do church at home. Now, I would agree with you if you were a consistent person across the board with that argument that because there's problems, you don't participate. But we're not consistent with that argument. For example... Has a car ever given you a problem? 
Come on, my first car was an Isuzu Rodeo, right? Like a 1993 Isuzu Rodeo. I had three holes in the alternator. The AC didn't work. It broke down every time my transmission went out, right? The car gave me problems. But just because one car gave me problems doesn't mean I'm not getting in another car. You ever had a bad experience with an Uber driver or a taxi driver? Just because I've had a problem with one Uber driver, one time this guy was lost as can be. I was late to where I had to go. But just because I had a problem there doesn't mean I'll never use Uber again. You ever had a problem in marriage? All the married people make some noise. You ever had conflict with your spouse? Dana, God bless, she married me, so she has less conflict. But <laughs> but we're humans with problems. Imagine every single time there's a disagreement or a problem, we say, we're done with the church. We're done with marriage. Ah! You're full of too much conflict, right? Like nobody would be married. You ever gone to a restaurant and had a bad experience, bad food, cold food, bad waiter? Imagine if we wrote off restaurants. For some reason, we give everything else a shot except the church. Oh, I've had a problem here. I'm never going again. I had two problems here. I went to one and I had a problem. I had another one. But the church of Jesus Christ is made up of imperfect people, including you. So let's stop pointing out imperfections and let's gather together as a family, as an assembly, come on, as a people who believe in Jesus Christ, that he's called us to be people full of grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? Let's write off the church then. Let's not have church in society. Let's write it off. Let's not have pastors and leaders, teachers. Let's not have community. What's the alternative? How will society look like today without the church? Let's think of society over the last few centuries without the church. If divorce has skyrocketed over the last 100 years, imagine if the church didn't exist. You know how many marriages have been restored because of the church? Like, I'm just, I'm just pointing out the benefits. Fine, let's say you're an atheist. You don't believe in God. Take God out the picture then. Just think about the blessing that the church is to the community. You know how many young people have left drugs, gangs, and a past life because of youth group that happens on Friday nights or Wednesday nights? What's the alternative? You want no community? You want no leadership? You want no pastoral care? Like, if that's the alternative, where would it be as a society? No pastors, no leaders, no shepherds, nobody here helping out one another. How many people have left a life of drugs and addiction because of the church? Counseling, accountability. I don't know about you, but I'm glad because of the church of Jesus Christ, I'm here today. I'm glad that I had pastors. I'm glad I had leaders. I'm glad I had mentors. I'm glad I had coaches. I'm glad I had people in my life that called me out on my stuff. Come on, I'm glad that the church has been a blessing. I believe that our city is better because of Calvary. I believe our city is better because of every church in our community. Come on, I believe the church is a blessing. It's full of imperfection, but it's also a house of grace. Can I get an amen? Come on, if you're thankful for the church of Jesus Christ, can you give God a praise this morning? Can you thank him this morning for his grace? Come on. I want to tell you today, it's not a perfect place, but it is a picture of grace. That you and I, with all of our imperfections, we can come in together and build an amazing family community to help out one another. With your imperfections and my imperfections and your flaws and my flaws and all of your drama and all of my drama, we can all come together and make our city better as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're grateful for the church of Jesus Christ, give him a praise this morning. Come on. Too much drama in the church. There's drama in your life. (laughs) Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is walking around with his friends, the disciples. Right now, you have to understand the context of what is being said here, where they are, to understand how profound this is. Jesus, he does everything on purpose. How many know that? The Bible says he goes to Caesarea Philippi to ask this question. This is important to know because Caesarea Philippi is not just like Jerusalem or a street in Miami. Like Caesarea Philippi is a very important place that Jesus goes to because he's about to make a comparison. Caesarea Philippi was a place of worship. It was a huge mountain region. We went, those of us who went to uh, Israel, we went to see this in person. It's a huge mountainous region. And on this corner of the mountain, you can still see today where they had placed idols for all the different gods that they worshiped at that time. 
it was the place, a central place of idol worship. They worshiped pagan gods and they used to perform pagan acts to appease these gods. Now there was a massive hole that they believed led to the underworld. And out of the bottom of that hole came a stream. They believed that was the entrance, the portal to the gates of hell. That's why they called it the gates of hell at Caesarea Philippi. Now, the pagan god Pan used to be worshipped there. Pan, they believe, was the god for fertility. So if you couldn't have babies or there was something wrong, you would go there and some people would perform sexual acts in front of that so that Pan could be appeased and bless your marriage, bless your union. So this is a place of idol worship, pagan worship, full of idols, statues. Just imagine it, people doing all kinds of sacrifices and all kinds of things. And it's there behind Jesus. This is happening as he says, who do you say that I am? It's profound. Jesus is bad. <laughs> I love Jesus. Everybody behind him, like all kind of worship is going on, all kind of pagan acts, all kind of sacrifices. And he turns around and he says, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And Peter, out of all of them, Peter. <laughs> Peter, like if Peter got it right, come on, you and I can get one thing right. Come on, like <laughs> Peter. He says, you're the son of God, the Messiah. I think Jesus himself flipped out a little bit. Like, Peter, Peter, you got it right. Like, there's hope. I knew I chose you correctly, right? And Jesus says something so profound. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's standing against what they believed was the gates of hell. Against the rock of idol worship, against the rock of pagan worship, Jesus is saying, I'm starting something based on that confession that I am the son of God, that I am the Messiah. I'm starting a movement called the church. And no idol worship, no pagan God, no demonic activity, not even the gates of hell itself can ever stop what I'm going to start. Come on, somebody. Come on, that's what you and I are a part of today. I didn't just come to sing a song. I didn't just come to see you. I came to give God a praise. I'm part of the powerful church. Come on, it's the church of Jesus Christ that no demon, no devil, nothing in hell could ever stop it. I'm part of a home. I'm part of a family that God is building. Can I get an amen? I don't care what's in that underworld. It will never stop what I'm going to build. So family is... It's a gathering, it's an assembly that I'm going to start. God has always been into gatherings, by the way. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Like, this isn't new. What we're a part of is not new. Go back to the book of Genesis. The Bible says after Cain kills Abel, Adam and Eve have another son called Seth. And right after Seth comes around, it says the people of God began to call on the name of the Lord. They gathered together and they called on God. Something powerful happens when you call on the name of the Lord. In the book of Exodus, he instructed them to build a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, they gathered to worship at times. It was a gathering, an assembly. In the book of Leviticus, you go to the book of Chronicles, when Solomon built now the temple. In the temple, they gathered together and worshiped God. And God says, I'll meet you there. Because the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Can I get an amen? Get a picture of why we do church. We don't come here for the coffee. <laughs> and I love our Calvary Cafe. Come on, it's absolutely amazing. For our croquetas, they're amazing. We don't come for our tostadas, which are absolutely incredible. We don't come just to see one another. We don't come just to have a good time. We come because as we praise him, God inhabits the praises of his people. In our gathering, in our assembly, that's why when worship is going on, when we get into church, first of all, you got to come prepared. Charles Spurgeon, an old preacher in London in the 1800s, he says, you should be praying on your way to church. In fact, get up early enough to prepare your heart before you even enter the sanctuary because it's in the sanctuary that the Holy Spirit is moving. As we're worshiping, if you may not feel it, but chains are being broken, people are being healed, people are being delivered come on something is happening you may not see it with your physical eye but it's when the gathering when the ecclesia gathers together oh come on people are healed eyes are open the veil comes on people are light comes on it's the holy spirit at work 
Like sometimes when I'm not feeling it in worship, I'm like, God, help me. I could be sitting there like, oh, my God, I didn't take out the dogs. The house is going to be full of all kinds of stuff when I get home. Like I better get into it because God is here. God is moving and God is working in our midst. You may not feel it emotionally, but it's never been about emotions. It's about what God does in the spirit. And so we gather together, and then the Bible says gatherings happen. And then in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends to the Father, the church starts to gather on Sundays. Now, maybe you have a question. Why on Sunday? Like, why don't we gather on Monday? Why don't we gather on Wednesdays or on Saturdays? If you grew up like me in church, we used to gather every day. Can I get an amen? The church I grew up in, we're gathering Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Like, that's the way we gather. But if you look back, can I just share with you a little bit of history? Is that Okay. Is that okay? All right, if we look back, the church started to gather on a Sunday since Jesus ascended. Now, many believe, people in commentary and scholars, they believe it's because of two reasons. Number one, Jesus ascended on a Sunday morning. I mean, Jesus resurrected on a Sunday morning. Right? The Bible says on the first day, Mary went out, John chapter 20, verse 1. Mary went out to see the tomb of Jesus on the first day. Somebody say the first day. The first day is a Sunday. On that Sunday morning, she went out to see the graveside of Jesus and the stone was rolled away. By the way, this isn't the weekend. This is the start of the week. We don't come to give God just the rest of our week. We come to give him the best of our week, the first of our week, right? And so it was on the first day that Jesus resurrected, right? After Jesus resurrected, later on that evening, they gathered together in the disciples' home and Jesus walked in through the door. Remember that? Like he didn't even open the door. He's just like, I'm here. Like, oh my God. Like, and they had their first Sunday service where Jesus talked to them. And Thomas saw that Jesus had really resurrected. Number one, Jesus resurrected on the first day on Sunday. Second reason, when the church was gathered together praying and waiting on the Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost. It was on Sunday morning. They gathered together and the Holy Spirit fell. And that is known as the birth of the church. Now, if you continue on, the church continued to meet on the first day of the week. Look what the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 through 47. This is important. Many people are like, why do you go to church on Sunday? Well, it's, it's, our, it's our history. It's our family line. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. And day by day, attending the temple courts and breaking bread in their, in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They went to the temple. They also met in their homes, right? We meet on Sunday here, but we also have connect groups. Daily, we do life together because we're a family. Tell your neighbor, I belong to a family. Some of you are like, I belong to a family. Okay, so Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first, somebody say the first day. That's Sunday. We came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept talking till midnight. Imagine, I say, I'm, I'm leaving town tomorrow, so I'm going to preach all day. We're not leaving till midnight. In fact, he preached so long, the Bible says, if you continue reading that chapter, a boy fell asleep at the window, fell out, and died. So Paul had to go downstairs, and he resurrected him, brought him back in, and said, let's continue having church. Come on, don't stop. Anybody want to see revival like that? Like, somebody's at the window, get him down. Like, <laughs> Uh, on the first day of the week, the church started to gather. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 16, Paul is giving an instruction to them and he says, on the first day of every week, so the church was already gathering on the first day. It says, each of you should put something aside. Paul is asking them to pick up an offering on the first day of the week. We come together and we give God our first and our best in worship, in praise, and in offering. Can I get an Amen. It's what the early church did. Not only the early church. You want to look at the first century, second century, third century. You have to know your family history. Justin Martyr, one of the original fathers of the church, many believe he was a disciple of John the Apostle. He said this, Justin Martyr said, and on the day called Sunday, all, it says all who live in cities or in the country, they gather together to one place and the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read. Oh, know your family history. Tertullian, who followed him just a few years after. By the way, if you're having a baby, that's a great name. Tertullian said this. We devote Sunday to rejoicing for a far different reason than sun worship. He just gives us a reason. There was, 
there was a group of people called Christians in the second and third century that every Sunday they gathered together not to worship the sun, not to worship Pan, the pagan God, not just to put sacrifices, but they gathered together to worship the son of God called Jesus Christ. Come on, that's our family history. And by the way, the church, people have tried to stop it throughout the centuries. They wanted to shut up Peter and Paul. And Peter wouldn't be quiet about the gospel. So they said, we're going to kill you and crucify you like the one that you call Jesus. And he said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus, so crucify me upside down. And Peter was executed upside down on the cross. Paul wouldn't be quiet either. So they beheaded Paul after he wrote the letters that we read. Third century, there's a bishop, bishop called Polycarp. Polycarp was a bishop of a church. He led several churches. And they told him to curse Jesus and to worship the Roman Caesar. And he would not do it. And they said, if you don't, we are going to burn you alive. And look how Polycarp responded. Polycarp said this, you try to frighten me with fire that burns for an hour and you forget the fire of hell that never burns out. Come on, these are fathers of the faith that stood up for what we believe in, that stood up for what the reason why we gather. They said, we worship Jesus. You can try to stop it, but it won't stop. This is a fa family. This is a gathering. This is an assembly. And we come to worship the one true living God. Jesus says he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some of them were stoned. Some of them were thrown in jail. Some of them were burned alive, but the church kept building. Can I get an amen? That's what you and I are a part of today. We just don't gather just to like clap for some songs, sit down, see your face, and say, awesome, today was great. Can you hurry up? I'm late to Chili's. It's a family history here. I belong to a family. Church is important. It does so much for, for the community. It does so much for our lives. Like this is, this is deeper than we could ever imagine. Don't write off church. You go on TikTok today or you go on Instagram. There's a bunch of young people writing off the church. I'm telling you, young people, this is what they're listening to on social media. People, and I believe it's the antichrist spirit, and I believe it's the devil himself, but he is already lost because Jesus says he will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so... There's a bunch of young people online right now. There's a bunch of young people online. Literally, this is what they say. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. You can't do that. If you throw out the church, you have to throw out Jesus with the church. Because that's his bride. Yeah, but I, you don't understand. I went to this church and they used me and abused me and all that. I get it. I've been in church my entire life. I've seen all kind of drama. But I realize this is his bride. And he's building it. And I'm not going to write it off. It's what he's building. It's a family, it's a gathering, it's an assembly. And it's important to our faith. Today, just know that you just don't come just to sing some songs and feel good. It's more than that. So, so why do we come to church? Why? Why? The church. I get it. It's what Jesus built. He's into gatherings, people gathering. Why? why? Number one, write this down. We'll finish with this. Three quick things, and then we'll wrap it up. Why do we gather? Number one, we come to give praise. Somebody say, give praise. Now, I want you to understand this because a lot of people have the wrong concept. A lot of people come every single week or they go to a church somewhere, either in this city or around the world, but they come with the wrong concept. They come so that they can feel good. They come so that the preacher, whoever's preaching, can give them something to make them feel great. But that's not why we go to church. Our main duty as we got, by the way, you have a job. Tell me, look, I have a job. <laughs> you have a job. You know what the New Testament calls us? We're priests. You and I are priests. That's what the Bible calls us. Like, that means that we offer sacrifices before God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. Somebody say a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. In other words, we don't come to church to get. We come to church to give. But Western Christianity, especially in the last 50, 100 years, it's all about get. Why did you leave the church? Because I didn't get good treatment. Why did you leave the church? Because I, I didn't get the song I like. Why did you leave the church? Because I, I didn't get my usual parking space. Right? Like people come in here and they're, they're like, oh, it's too loud or too low or 
too cold or too hot or like people leave church. I've known people that go from church to church to church to church because they're just looking for what they want. And they don't realize they're a priest. And we don't gather to get, we gather to give. We treat church like a restaurant. Like we come into churches all around our city and all around the world and we're like, mm, I didn't like the service today. Didn't, didn't, didn't move me. I don't know, it didn't move me. <laughs> right? Like, didn't move me. Like, ah, like they sang a new song. Who knows that song? I don't know, I don't like it. Um, then like somebody was supposed to open a door. I had to open the door myself. The usual seat where I see, like, who was that sitting in my chair? Don't, oh, I think they were in the club last night. How do you know? You were there too. Right? Like, we start picking things. They were like, and the teaching today, oh, like, they were calling me out on stuff. Like, he probably has stuff in his life too, right? Like, and we don't, the Bible says in the last days, they want tickling of the ears. I want to go somewhere that makes me feel good and tells me how great I am. Yeah, okay, you are great, but you also need to know you're a sinner. We are all sinners, right? And so it's all about get, get, get. No, you, you don't come to church to treat it like a restaurant. We come to church to say, God, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm delivered. Even if you don't give me anything else, even if I never get healed, even if you never come through for me again, you've given me more than enough. So on Sunday morning, I come to say you are awesome. You're mighty. I worship you. I praise you. I give you all the glory. I give you all of the honor. Come on, we come to give them a sacrifice of praise. Can I get an amen? We're the priests who bring the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they brought animals, but now Jesus is the lamb that was sacrificed for us. You no longer have to bring a sheep, a goat, or a ram. Now you bring praise. Come on, that's amazing. Look what the Bible says. Psalm chapter 100. I get all excited and I got a minute left. Psalm 100. Shout for joy. Why is he shouting? Because the Bible tells me to. <laughs> Oy. Grita mucho. Shout for the shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with smile. Come on, with gladness. <laughs> Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. Is God? It is He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Look at this next part. Enter His gates with oh, come on, and and His courts with pray it doesn't say enter his courts with all of your petitions of how you want church to be enter his courts with how you're feeling today and what nice verse you want to fill your ego come on we've all been there no it says enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the lord is good and his love endures forever his faithfulness continues through all generations Come on, why we come here is to give him praise. Our first duty as we come in on Sunday morning is to say, God, I praise you. God, I lift you up. In fact, when we do it together, we get a picture of eternity. Well, I could do that in my house. Yeah, you will. You could. You should do it at your house. Monday through Saturday, you should worship in your house, right? Like that's part of our Christian life. But why we do it together is because God is into gatherings and it gives us a picture of what's going to happen in eternity. I don't like a lot of people. Okay. Then what do you do with this? Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud, in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Meaning in eternity we are going to be with millions and millions and millions upon millions of people all worshiping the creator. If you don't like large gatherings, you might not like heaven. They might hit you with a palm branch. But as we gather together, we'll say, whoa, God, you saved all of us in this auditorium plus everybody worshiping online it gives us a picture of how big and awesome God is every race, every background every economic class, it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, white, black red or yellow, we are all his children in his sight and we worship him together on a side come on, anybody love the church, I love it 
It's full of drama, but I love it. It's full of imperfect people, but I love it. Wow, God, I got a picture. If all of creation worships him, so will I. All of creation is worshiping him. We should gather together and worship him. Number one, to give him praise. Number two, to grow in discipleship. Why do we gather together? Why, why do I got to go to church? I do podcast church. Okay, cool. Number one, you can't praise him with the rest of creation, especially with the rest of your family. And I'm not against those who are at home right now. I'm not talking about COVID season. Once this whole season is over, hopefully soon, people who say, I just don't go to church because of the problem. I'm not talking about people right now that are trying to take care of their health. I'm not talking about that. People who have written off the church is what I'm talking about. Why do we gather together? To grow in discipleship. Yeah, but I listen to preachings on my own. I watch three churches. I like this one for worship. I like the way this pastor preaches. And this guy, the way he opens up service is amazing. Right? Like, yeah, there's no growth there. Growth happens in community. I went to watch uh, my nephew. I got my brother and my sister-in-law here. And uh, my nephew, Ethan, their son, it's, he's awesome. Uh, he plays soccer and he's, he's a stud. He's, he's going to be a star. He's amazing. He came out like his uncle. He's awesome. Um, went to see him play soccer and, and everybody is screaming at these kids. Some of you know. Some of you are the parents screaming. Like Everybody's like, hey, go left, go left. Kick the ball, kick the ball. Like they're screaming all kinds of stuff, right? And they're telling him how to play. And on top of that, the coach on the other side was also screaming. At one point, he said, Ethan, left field. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't scream. I'm going to feel like that, right? But, but, but it's between this community of everybody that's just trying to get this kid better in his craft. And every great athlete always started with the group of people coaching and training them. I grew up in church. I'm 37 years old. I've been in church probably every single day of my life. Seen all kind of drama, seen all kind of problems, heard it all, seen it all. But I thank God for every coach that was around me that helped me and said, Alex, don't go astray. Alex, be careful with those friends. Alex, don't marry that girl. That one, that Columbia one, marry that one. Right? Like, I, like, I thank God. Like, I have people in my life helping me. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, get some coaches around you. Get some people to try. We're living in a world where everybody wants to be independent. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't tell me who I could not marry and could marry. Don't tell me who I could sleep with and not sleep with. Don't tell me what I should. What do you mean I can't sleep with people before my marriage? Nobody wants to be told what to do. But if you listen to people, your life might get better. We grow in community, but nobody wants to be called out on anything. In fact, we're living in the generation that, that loves to point out fault in everybody. How can you tell me if this is your life? I get it, but God uses imperfect people. Look what the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What did the early church do? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. You're part of a family that is always gathered. And as we gather, we learn. We hear from the teaching team, we have community, we get better, and we have accountability. That's what Paul told us to do. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We gather together to get better. We gather together to be coached up. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it's verse uh, 11 through 12. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Come on, look at the person next to you and tell them we got to grow up. Every single one of us, we got to grow up. We got to grow up. Come on, mature in your faith. Yes, there's imperfect people. There's people here in this room that are going to get in your nerves. But that's how you get better. There's, there's pastors, not in this church, around the world, thank God, that are going to get on your nerves. <laughs> but they make us better. If you run from that, you'll never develop. Same as pain. If you run from that, you'll never progress in your character. Get people in your life. I thank God I still have people in my life that say, hey, what are you doing? What was that? What'd you post? <laughs> Why are you doing that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's how we get better growing discipleship I thank God for pastors in my life but number one my, my two pastors were my mom and my dad who I thank God I had incredible parents who taught me the word of God and then they took us to church every Sunday by the way if you're a parent here the best thing you can do in your child's life is take them to church every Sunday whether they kick, scream, cry whatever and it doesn't matter how old they are if they're 13 what do I do my son he's 15 take them to church 
if he's under your roof, it's your rules. Like, they don't have an option. I don't have an option. I've told you. I've told my parents I'm sick. You'll get healed in service. Let's go. Like, but I thank God for it. And I came to church where pastors helped me understand scripture, where pastors prayed for me, where pastors believed in me, where pastors said, I believe there's a calling over your life. God can use you. Hey, you have a gifting to be a leader. Can you help out in sound? I started helping out in sound when I was 13 years old. You think I knew anything about sound? I messed up the whole thing. But I had people to believe, hey, you, you can serve God. We live in a society that wants to break everybody down. Come on, the church should be where we build everybody up. Grow in discipleship. Teach me the word. Show me. Help me. That I will live a life of wisdom. Don't throw my life away in women, drugs, men, all these things. Come on, it's in the church where we grow in discipleship. Don't write off the church. It's what Jesus says he will build. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The band could come up. We'll finish with this. Number one, we come to give praise. Number two, we come to grow in discipleship. And number three, we come to live out the gospel. It's crazy because a lot of people believe the gospel but never want to live it out. How can you believe in the greatest message in the world yet not be part of the biggest place where you can live it out? Number one, you can see it. Like we all gather together and you look around the room and you're like, whoa. I know somebody in this church that's going through cancer and they have their hands raised worshiping God. That's the gospel right there. Oh, I know somebody that just got divorced and just lost everything. And yet I see them with tears in their eyes worshiping God. That's the gospel right there. Oh, I see somebody who's gone through it and here they are giving God all of their praise, bringing a sacrifice of praise. That's the gospel live in action being proclaimed. I don't see that alone in my bedroom with podcast church. Peter stood up on the first day that the church was born and 3,000 people got saved. You know what I love to do sometimes? I love to just look around the auditorium and say, whoa, all kind of backgrounds, colors, economic classes all come together as an ecclesia, a gathering of people out from their homes in a public place worshiping Jesus. It's the gospel in action. Number one, you get to see it. Number two, you get to be it. You get to be the gospel in action. When we gather together, worship God, this is... This is deep, and you might need some commentary to, to understand this, and I'm going to try to explain it in like 53 seconds, but something spiritual is happening when we gather together. God is using the church to show Satan, demons, and all of his principalities his power. It, that's literally what the Bible says. When we gather together on Sundays, God is using us to tell Satan, you lost, will lose, and will forever lose. Literally, that's what the Bible says. This is, this, is one of my, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 10, chapter um, 5, verses 10 to 3. Sorry, 10 11. Look at, look at this. I, I love it. Look. God's purpose is now to show the rulers and the powers in the heavens the many different varieties of his wisdom through the... He's using the church to show every single cosmic principality his wisdom. This was consistent with the plan he had from the beginning of time that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Satan deceived Eve, he thought he had humanity. But God said it from the very beginning, all coming is one, that you are going to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. And Satan... Satan didn't understand it. He thinks he's crafty. He thinks he's awesome. He's trying to deceive us daily. And some of us listen to him. But God says, I'm wiser than you think. He's the wisest, most infinite God of all time. And he says, I'm sending a savior. Where now it's not only Israel, but every single Gentile, every single human, all across centuries in human history, they're going to call on his name. And when they gather together and worship my name, you're not, not going to know how. You think you bit the heel, but together they worship the creator. Together they worship the savior. That's the powerful savior. Jesus Christ is what we do when we gather. Come on, are you with me? It's powerful. When we gather together, we're telling Satan, we're telling every single demon, you've already lost and Jesus already won. 
worship him? Why do you thank him today in the morning? He's God. He's good. He's awesome. He's powerful. I'm part of the most powerful living organism on the face of the earth. Come on, let's worship him. Come on, the great I am. The Alpha and Omega God, the great. of praise right now. Come on, can you begin to thank Him? Thank Him for your life. Thank Him for oxygen in your lungs. Come on, thank Him for salvation. Thank Him for healing. Thank Him for deliverance. Come on, let's lift up our voice in here. Come on, why don't you just begin to thank Him this morning. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for life. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Jesus, that you defeated the gates of hell. God, I thank you that you're more powerful than sin, more powerful than our addictions, our struggles, our darkness. Come on, somebody, lift up your voice this morning. Come on, come on. Pastors, leaders, let's lift it up. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, we lift up a sacrifice of praise this morning. You're good. You're mighty. You're awesome, God. God, we're part of the most powerful living organism in the world. Empires will come and fall, leaders will come and fall, but the church of God will remain forever. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody, thankful for God this morning. We see the gospel here. We live out the gospel here. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. If today you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if today you're far from God, he loves you. It's no coincidence that today you're a part of this church, that you walked into this church, or perhaps you're watching online. I believe God has a purpose in that. He allowed you to hear this because he wanted you to know he loves you and he wants you to be part of the best family ever. Maybe you're watching today or you're here today and you say, Alex, but I got so much stuff in my life. There's no way that God can love me. There's no way that God can want to do anything in my life. I've messed up. I've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. I've done stuff that nobody knows about. That may be true, but God is more powerful than all of that. And he loves you more than sin could hold you. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. And our sin separates us from God. God is holy, he can't be with sin. But he's also love, so he sent his son Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin, all of your sin. And the Bible says that Jesus went up on a cross and he died for the sins of humanity. He died for me and he died for you. Went down to a grave. He was dead for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. He's alive today. It's who we worship. It's who we praise. It's what we proclaim. It's what we live out. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, come on, as we're all praying, in a moment of prayer and privacy, if you're here today or watching online, and you say, Alex, I need Jesus today. Alex, I, I need forgiveness. I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. I want a relationship with God. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. I want you to hold it up just for a few seconds. I want to see who I'm praying for. And after that, you can put it right back down. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on, as the church is praying, if that's you, lift up your hand at the count of three. One, two, three three raise your hand as high as you can as high as you can hands up everywhere god bless you 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 i'll see you i'll see you amazing amazing awesome awesome if you're online and you're making that decision you can raise your hand right there god sees you come on with every eye closed every head bowed i'm gonna say a simple prayer and i want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart we're doing a simple prayer let's say it as one big family come on as the ecclesia let's say this together with them every single person putting their faith and their trust in Jesus. 
now joining the family of God. Say this after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. From today on, I'm forgiven and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, amazing. Hands went up. Hands went up across the auditorium. And maybe if you're at home or your office and you made that decision as well. Come on, welcome to the family of God. It's the best family on the planet. Come on, we're not perfect, but we do follow the perfect one. And, and today you just joined that family. If you just made that decision today for the first time, and you said, hey, I, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. And you did that prayer. We want to give you a free Bible. It's an absolutely free gift from us to you. And so on the way out, there's a tent outside. It's a white tent. It's our connect tent. Just pass by there. Just tell them, hey, I did that prayer for the first time. They're going to give you a free Bible. No strings attached. They're not going to ask you for your name, number, social security, or immigration status. Uh, they're not going to ask for any of that. They literally just want to give you a free gift. Anybody love our team out there? Come on, they're awesome. And they just want to give you a free gift. If you're watching online... We'll mail one out to you. Send the word decided to 33222. Text it in and we'll mail one out to you as well. Thank you, Yoli. And I love God's family. Come on. I love the church. And uh, it's crazy because as we give him praise, God does something in our soul. And so today I want you to know that you're part of the greatest living organism on the face of the earth. And it's not just Calvary Church, it's the global church around the world. And there's many different uh, places, many different ways but we're all part of one big family. And all of us living out the gospel makes this place better. And uh, I may get on your nerves, you may get on my nerves, but we help each other out mature, get better, and develop. In fact, today might be the day where you're like, I need to start serving the church, right? The Bible says that he's given us all gifts so that we can serve one another. Maybe today, anybody thankful that somebody turned on the lights this morning, that we got the band leading and singing? And... Come on, we got, we got kids ministry back there taking care of our kids. We got the street team parking cars, the media team, the lighting team. Like, it takes a family working together to make it better. So if you want to join Dream Team today, pass by that tent and say, hey, I'm going to start serving in this family. And if it's not in this church, at least another church, find a place, get in, get planted, dig some roots, and be a part of it. Your family will be better because of it. Amen. Why don't we leave out of here celebrating all that God has done. We're going to worship one more time and uh, worship the Alpha and Omega. Come on, he's awesome. It's what we come to do. We come to give him a sacrifice of praise. Next week, we start the mental health series. What's on your mind? Bring somebody with you. Let's lift up our hands. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your good grace, God, that saved us, delivered us, forgave us. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to be part of this family, God. You know we're flawed and imperfect, but this is a picture of grace. As we serve you and love you, Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We give you all of the worship, all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's worship together, Jesus. We thank you.